Where does yesterday's future, which is already here, ready here, ready here, ready here, meet today's future, which is about to happen, and tomorrow's future, which could be just minutes away? Welcome to Technology Revolution, the future of now, where host Bonnie D. Graham asks savvy futurists for their predictions about the tech-driven trends that are shaping our future right now. Here's your host, who will take us into the future of now, Bonnie D. Graham. (laughs) Bonnie D. in the house. I never remember whether I said we're going this way to the future or that, so I'm just going to go up in the air. Speaking of up in the air, we're talking about one of my favorite topics today with a slightly different twist. About two or three times a year, we cover the future of drones, but we're going to do it from a different angle, if I can say that. Different angle today, the future of drones and AI. Those of you listening regularly, and I want to thank, we have almost 200,000 people all over the world listening to the show every year, and I am extremely grateful to you and hope we're giving you good information and good futurist insights. But what's interesting today is that I've got one of our main drone experts on, Ryan Walsh, who is with me every time we do a drone show, and he's invited three other people we haven't met yet. So let me start with my uh, recently, I've been doing all my intros are based on research I do on ChatGPT, and I'm giving proper credit. So I said to ChatGPT, tell me about the future of drones and AI, that's artificial intelligence. And I got the following response. Drones and AI are two technologies that are rapidly advancing and becoming more integrated with each other. Here are some potential ways these technologies could shape the future. And that's what my experts are going to be talking about today. Drones have been used for package delivery in some areas. With the help of AI, they could become more efficient and reliable. Well, that would be good. I still haven't had my Amazon packages drone dropped yet. I still see the lady running in from the the post office truck every day with my packages. Drones equipped with AI could be used for surveillance and security purposes to monitor crops and help help the farmers optimize their yields and reduce waste, which is good, to assist in emergency response situations, natural disasters, search and rescue missions, and to improve safety and efficiency on construction sites and so much more. However, and this always comes up in these chats about AI, there are potential ethical and societal implications to consider privacy and surveillance. And I'm just going to stop there. Then I asked for some fictional movie quotes about drones. And I have to tell you all a funny story. I was researching another topic last night for next week's show. And I said, I want fictional movie quotes about, it was about artists and AI. Okay. Well, ChatGPT made up the names of 10 movies and 10 people in those movies and made up the quotes. And I started researching the year and the name of the person who played the character. Ryan, I thought you'd get a kick out of this. And I couldn't find it. So I went back to ChatGPT and I said, what is the, you know, the synchrony of destinies? When was that movie? And Chat said, Oh, I made it up. I thought you wanted fictional quotes from fictional movies. It has never done that for me before. So I had to put the request, the query back in. And I said, I want fictional character quotes from real movies, please. And then I got what I wanted. But I do this every week and it's never happened. But for this one, I got a couple of good ones. So here's a quote from Good Boys 2021. And the quote is, We are using our drone to follow a family of turtles, and we thought it might have crashed in your backyard. I had no idea what this about Ryan, but I thought that was really cool. Then I have one from the Big Bang 2010 movie. They're not toys. They're UAVs, unmanned aerial vehicles. That sounds serious. Then I have a quote from a movie called Oblivion 2013. 
60 years ago, Earth was attacked. We won the war, but they destroyed half the planet. Everyone's been evacuated. Nothing human remains. We're here for drone repair. We're the mop-up crew. Bob, I thought that was a pretty cool quote. And the last quote, oh, I have two more. One is from Top Gun Maverick 2022, Admiral Kane, the drone ranger. He wants our budget for his unmanned program. I thought that was pretty fun. And one more quote from iRobot 2004. It is a little bit philosophical. The real question is not whether machines think, but whether men do. Oh, heavy, heavy. So we have Ryan Walsh. Wave hello, Ryan. He's back. We have Bob Hammett. Nice to meet you. Looking forward to meeting you and hearing about you. We have Charlie Hermosa. Hello, Charlie. Welcome. And we have Sheena Banker. Hello, Sheena. And Hi. I'm asking them for their take on the future of drones and AI technology. Look up. It's a what? We'll leave it though. I usually say, Ryan, on the show, uh, what's coming to a porch or a roof near you. But today it's look up. It's a what? So, you know, we've done all these Ryan Walsh, you're up first. Ryan, I did the math this morning. I had to do some very sophisticated calculations. You've been on two or three times a year for the past three years talking about the future of drones. I'm thinking from my calculations, there are 9.72 people in the world who don't remember you. That's it. That's how many people, think of the 200,000 who listen, only 9.72 don't remember you. So could you please update us on what you've been up to, Ryan, and take about three minutes and fill us in on your bio and how excited are you to be here? I want you to look excited, Ryan Walsh. Go ahead, I dare you. Look excited. My bad. There he is. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you for having me, Bonnie. Um, so yeah, we've been quite busy at Valkyrie. Um, for those of you that don't know me, we build drone infrastructure, um, particularly for delivery, uh, and we have been building some new uh, new generations of products, um, some new variations of products, um, working with each of the great people on this call, uh, doing various, or on this uh, podcast, doing various uh, uh, fun projects. Um, so I'm sure each of them will get into that a little bit more, but uh, we've been, been hard at work doing a lot of the, the ground-based work for the, the drone delivery market, and it's uh, happening more and more by the day. Ryan, AI, good or bad? How's it working out for you with AI? How much are you inter incorporating into your designs and into your processes? Uh, it's it's pretty ingrained into a lot of what we do. Um, it's it's really kind of working the fabric of a lot of the systems, whether it's the landing systems or um, even the flight controllers. And I think that AI is uh, like anything else; it's a tool, right? I mean, it's it's got no intentions of its own. It's what you, you teach it to do or what you program it to do. And so, you know, most cases are very helpful and benign, like landing a drone more accurately than a person. And so um, I think the AI is going to be fundamental. It's going to be part of the lattice structure that kind of builds this next generation of drone infrastructure. Thank you very much. Always wonderful to have you on. Bob Hammett, you're up next. You're new to the show. We're so happy you're here. One Sky, tell us what that is, what you do, and how excited are you about AI? Bob Hammett, welcome. Thanks, Bonnie. It's uh, it's great to be here. So uh, yeah, super super excited about the topic today and excited about what's going on in the, in the marketplace. And Ryan talked about infrastructure, and that's actually what we do. We provide the digital airspace infrastructure to enable drones to do complex missions like flying beyond line of sight. And those, those are a lot more difficult than someone who is flying line of sight. Now they're gonna go, you can't see where it is. You need to ensure it's safe. You need to ensure it's not putting anyone or any place at risk. And so um, you, you may ask, why do I need that? Well, with uh, aviation today, you've got 
what's called manned or traditional air traffic management. And those are folks with towers and they're communicating with radios and the, and they've got big radars to see where everything is. But those systems won't scale up to the volume of operations that we anticipate with drones in the future. And they also don't scale down to the altitudes that the drones are operating because you need line of sight for these systems. And when you're flying a couple hundred feet off the ground, it just doesn't work that way. So once guy spun out of a company called Analytical Graphics, that was a 30-year-old software company in the defense and intelligence community. We started this about 2015, spun out in 2019. Uh, at this point, we've supported beyond line of sight operations with our uncrewed traffic management technology in uh, about 12 countries and looking to expand that. So excited uh, to be here. How did you, thank you. How did you get into this field? Did you one day wake up and say, drones, the future, I want to be part of that? When, when did you get involved? Well, that's that's a great question. So we were we were doing very similar things on the defense and intelligence side, and we saw what was going on, on the commercial side, and we said, you know, these tools these tools can be applied right over here. And so uh, so we recognized that we could uh, we could quickly add value to the challenges, and uh, we also recognized that we probably needed to have some more maneuver room, and uh, that's kind of why we spun out of our parent company, and now we're a standalone entity. So that's uh, been that's been great fun. I have to smile every time you say spun out. I'm thinking of a drone. Or a, I'm sorry. It's just an interesting metaphor there. Bob, delighted to have you on. Charlie Hermosa, you're next. Charlie, welcome. I'm putting you on speaker view. We want to know all about you. What are you doing? How did you get into the drone industry, Charlie? No, absolutely, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, good morning and good evening, everybody. So I'm actually originally from uh, Queens, New York. Um, so I've made my way out uh, to the uh, Indo-Pacific area. Um, and so it's one of those stories where you come out here for uh, a certain amount of time that you think a year or two, but now I'm going on seven years out here. And, you know, the uniqueness about what we're trying to do is, is one of the things that I always say is you got to see it to, to ensure you believe as far as what's going on out here. And I just want to plug in Ryan real quick and want to thank Ryan because we actually uh, had him out here. Uh, so he was able to firsthand experience and see what we're doing out here and, and the partnership that, that we've developed and um, and in doing so, you know, one of the things that we're doing out here is actually, again, I think infrastructure is the key word. And in the area that we live, um, it, the infrastructure is, is the most uh, vital asset to be able to cater to, you know, islands uh, throughout the Indo-Pacific that only have uh, people, uh, the population could be 100, could be 20, could be 50, could be 1,000, could be 20,000. So, in these remote areas right now, the the way the logistics works is the old school, you know, having a boat that goes out there maybe once a week, twice a week, three times a week. So when we started looking at this, uh, we just didn't think it was right. I, I think in the era that we live today, uh, we started looking at different ways to be able to fulfill this infrastructure. And aerial, uh, it started aerial, and then we realized that not every island had an airport. Um, obviously, parachute drops, helicopter, you name it. Uh, but when it really came down to being able to find an efficient way, drones was the uh, the most efficient way to be able to sort of connect the islands um, in one way or another. The other uniqueness uh, about the uh, the Indo-Pacific is the fact that uh, we have a lot of sovereign nations, right? So they're still under a preview of the U.S. to a certain extent, uh, but they, they have presidents. Um, so uh, within that uh, structure, we also have to work with their version of the FAA. So... Uh, when it comes to, uh, and Bob, it's a pleasure to meet you as well, because when it comes to sort of putting the infrastructure together, uh, you know, we're talking to island nations that don't have any programs at all, right? So 
Um, we've utilized that as a means to be able to do a lot of testing because beyond visual line of sight, obviously, is very restrictive within the, the FAA guidelines in the U.S. territories. But in these island nations, we have a little bit more flexibility. Um, so we do a lot of a lot of good testing uh, beyond, you know, beyond three miles, which has really been a benefit. And it allows us to do the proof of concept as far as being able to show the um, the progress as far as developing these these infrastructures to be able to. Um, our focus has always been uh, medicine, right? To be able to get these island nations mm -hmm. to to get healthcare, medicine. Um, obviously, the space is a little different on the mainland side, where you know deliveries and food deliveries. But you know, when we look at the systems like the Valkyrie system, uh, to us, that's sort of the pillar of what's going to be the the foundation of how we're going to be able to connect these islands uh, one way or another. So we're on our way. Uh, we, we also, obviously, you know, there's a lot of R and D work. And when we headed down this route, we, we realized that there was a lot of R&D. So we also got into, you know, what is revenue driven. So we also have a, a drone light show company. So we go around the islands and, and doing drone light shows. So that's a, that's a great hit for us to be able to sort of sustain the, uh, the company itself. So now we've also gotten into uh, working with a lot of the telecom uh, companies uh, throughout the islands. And when we talk about AI, that's really where it comes. Uh, there's no better way to applications as far as the software development and the way we can use it to, um, you know, to, to use them in, in inspection. Um, and the one thing that just sort of went gangbusters a couple of days ago was we rolled out the Aeroblast, what we called Aeroblast. So we're using a, a system that allows us to power wash buildings. So a lot of hotels, a lot of uh, hotel industries out here. So, you know, we're going up to 15, you know, 15, 16, 17 floors, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's pretty cool how that's, that's taken on a different shape. So a lot of great things. And I invite everybody, if they have an opportunity to come out here and visit us, we would love to uh, get you out here and enjoy the island. And I, and I know Ryan and um, uh, they had a really uh, sort of great experience and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly host you. Uh, any anytime anybody wants to come out here, we're coming for dinner. We'll all be there. Thank yes. you. Well, uh, <laughs> Sheena's going to Sheena. You're next. Going to bring a bottle. Charlie, in your bio, I noticed that you attended the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point. I did. I lived in Great Neck for 32 years, and oh, I, wow. host, I produced and hosted some events at the Officers Club. I knew Richard Stancotti, who was the manager of the Officers Club for many, many years, and I put on a, uh, you're all going to laugh, oh, second wedding showcase. I, I was the producer of that and brought in about 20 different vendors, and we had models and live music and all that. It was a blast, but I, I've, I've emceed, and I've been there. They had a wonderful Mother's Day brunch for years there at the Merchant Marine Academy. I lived about a mile and a half from there. So I read that in your bio and I said, hey, we're, we're both, I won't say we're both great neckers, but uh, we both were in that great neck Kings Point area. Sheena God Dunlap. bless great neck. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm in Tennessee now. <laughs> totally different world. We'll <laughs> leave it there. Thank you very much. Sheena Banker, we're so happy to have you here and you are not representing. You're a business partner of Grant Fisk who is traveling and couldn't make it last minute. And Grant said, I said, well, if you can't make it, you got to bring somebody to be there with you just in case or instead of you. And he said, Sheena Banker is going to do it. So Sheena, let's hear all about you, please. And I love the story about how you got involved in this field. Please share that. Oh, man. Okay. So first of all, thank you for having me. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, Grant is traveling. Um, he's on his way to a conference right now. So thank you for letting me sub in. Um, so Grant and I coached peewee soccer together. And I, um, I had taken some time off for my career 
And I was, um, you know, at home raising babies and we met coaching Pee Wee soccer and we had a family dinner together one night and he was so excited. He had just had a meeting with the, uh, the EAA and um, for Velatus, we do um, eVTOL infrastructure. So the Vertiport landing pad and charging station. And he was like, the first one's going to go there right here in Oshkosh. Like it's, you know, just small world. Everything's falling into line. And I said, well, hey, who's who's going to be doing your communications? Who's going to be doing your PR? Who's going to be, you know, editing everything? And he's like, oh, I know. And I was like, well, hey, I do that. And he was like, what? You do what? And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, so I could help you out. And a couple months later, I became co-owner of Velatus Infrastructure. So that's kind of how that all came together. Just right timing, right place. Um, definitely not something I purposely orchestrated um, or, you know, I didn't say like, oh, this is a, you know, a brand new industry and I'm super interested in it. And said it was like, that here, here it is, silver platter. So the power you know, of networking, even dinners with people at Pee Wee soccer games, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a great story. And, and I have in the past mentored young women who I've worked with in big companies. And I've said, if you see a little bit of light coming through a window or a, window or a door, push open that window or door and find out what's on the other side. Take advantage of opportunities, right? And there's yes. a famous Leonard Cohen song that talks about the crack in the in the light is there's something on the other side. I, I greatly admire what you did. It's like, hey, you need a PR person. I'll oh, by the way, it's drones. Oh, that's fun. Uh, very right. interesting. So you're not, I'm not going to get a deep story about, oh, I was fascinated with drones. Oh, no. Heard of it. No, it's just, <laughs> hey, I needed a job and I like this guy. And I thought, cool company. That's yeah. Great. <laughs> yeah, I was just, it was, it was perfect timing. I was looking to start going back to work part-time um, I still have a very small one at home with, um, some developmental delays. And so it just, it gave me that opportunity to start doing, start, start establishing a career again and still focusing on my family. Like I was needed. Well, today you're going to add a new title to your resume and it's futurist, right? Ryan, awesome. she, she's to be mm. on the show. You become an instant futurist, Bob, you're a futurist today. And Charlie, you're a futurist. You're all futurists. When you talk to me, there you go. Technology revolution, the future of now. There we are. So thank you all for the bios. Fascinating group, Ryan. You've outdone yourself this time. So let, well, you always do. So let's go to the next part of the show where I've asked each of you to send me a fictional quote from a movie or a TV show or a line from a song that has absolutely nothing to do with drones and not too many do. We know that. And you're going to relate the quote you picked to the topic. So Ryan Walsh, you picked a great line from the song. You can call me Al by singer-songwriter Paul Simon. Uh, this is the lead single from his seventh studio album, Graceland, all the way back in 1986. And the lyrics are following a man who seems to be experiencing a midlife crisis. And it was partly inspired by Paul Simon's real trip to South Africa. But I don't know if you're aware of this, how the, how the owl came in there. Ryan, you know I do my homework. The names in the song came from an incident at a party where there's a French composer and conductor, Pierre Boulet, and he referred to Paul Simon as Al, and Paul at the time was married to Peggy Harper, and he called her Betty. 
it's not her name and that's not it. So Paul Simon said, well, now I have to write a song about Helen Betty. So in the UK, it became his biggest solo hit and has been certified double platinum in the United States. I love that. Uh, by the way, Paul Simon did like the original music video that happened from SNL when he was hosting. They played it as in part of his monologue. So he and Lorne Michaels cooked up a new way to do it with Chevy Chase lip syncing the vocals, making gestures to Im implicate what the lines were in the song. Chevy Chase is six foot four and Paul Simon is five foot three. If you haven't watched the video, you are in for a treat. So the line, Ryan, I'm getting to it. The line Ryan has picked is a man walks down the street. He says, why am I short of attention? Got a little short span of attention. You got to go with this. Ryan, what does it have to do with drones and AI? Help me out here. Um, well, first of all, I love that music video. So thank you for giving us the context for it because it is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, that that kind of stood out to me as kind of the driving force in this. And, you know, all the people on, on this show, you know, we've had various discussions about all of the ways this is going to revolutionize society if you get uh, improved access to care and healthcare, food, you know, different uh, critical items. Um, but it really comes down to a lot of people just want that convenience. And it, and it comes down to they don't have the attention spans. They don't have the, the necessarily discipline or delayed gratification. I mean, everything is now cheaper, faster. And so, um, you know, I'm a big, big proponent for our last mile logistics systems just can't take anymore. Um, especially ones like Charlie's mentioning where they just don't exist, you know, in a lot of cases. So how do you satisfy that uh, short attention span and that, you know, instant gratification need uh, any other way? I want it now. Isn't that where we are? I ordered it. I want it now. Where is it? Damn it. Okay. Thank you very much. I love the video. I don't remember seeing it recently and everybody's just got to go find it. Paul Simon and Chevy Chase doing you could call me out. Terrific. Bob Hammett has sent a very uh, classic, iconic line uh, from the character Iceman, played by Val Kilmer. The movie was Top Gun, the original one from 1986. And the screenplay was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr., based on an article that appeared in California Magazine three years earlier called Top Guns. That's where the inspiration came from. In the scene, Maverick's rival, Iceman, Kazansky, as I said, played by Val Kimmer, calls his foot behavior foolish, dangerous, and worse than the enemy, to which Mav, Tom Cruise, responds, I am dangerous. I'm going to leave it there. He became his rival, became his wingman. The quote is, you can be my wingman anytime. I gave it away. Bob, how'd you find this? And what does wingman have to do with drones? Surprise yeah, no, us. That's, that's, that's a great question. It's always been uh, a favorite uh, a favorite movie of mine, uh, kind of uh, being in the Navy at that point. And uh, and I thought it was really appropriate here because I envision AI as this wingman and, you know, for aviation, it's wingman's a great term, but, you know, it's really in any, in any field, it's this capability that's out there helping you do your job better, right? It's helping you, it's supporting you, and it's your wingman to execute whatever that mission or operation is. And so, um, in fact, there's several um, militaries globally that are now bringing uncrewed vehicles to actually match up with crewed vehicles, so manned with unmanned, and they're calling them their loyal wingman programs. And so, so we're seeing that as a way to extend, to provide additional sensors, additional intelligence, especially if you're out there flying, you've only got one person in a cockpit and you don't have a lot of eyes and capabilities you can get overloaded that way. So, so I thought that was interesting. It was 1986, so it was wingman as opposed to wing woman or wing whatever. 
manufacturing, whatever. Uh, we thing, but uh, <laughs> you, you picked up you you picked up on the it, the interesting part here, and this gets to the uh, kind of a safe ethical use of AI. Is the broader quote was you are still dangerous, but you can be my wingman anytime. So maybe maybe the point is you you may be potentially dangerous. I I don't know. Uh, and to which uh, Maverick, who is this you know AI wingman. Uh, says bull crap. You can be mine. So at that point, kind of taking over and say, no, I have, I have now surpassed your capability. So I thought, uh, you know, as we as we look into the future, and I I'm not very good at that. I I picked the 76ers over the Celtics in the NBA uh, <laughs> playoffs here. So um, that's that's my uh, lack of vision. But uh, but I thought that was interesting. I thought uh, I wanted to share that. It was, and it was funny, but you, you talked about crude vehicles versus, and I'm thinking, I'm spelling it in my mind, C-R-E-W-E-D versus C-R-U-D-E. we got to be careful with those because they sound, the wrong word pops up. There you go, crude, crude. There we go. Yes. Thank you. I've heard people who say striped. Remember Daniel striped tiger rather than striped? Yeah. Yes, we'll not go there. Thank you very much. Charlie Hermosa, you've sent us a very serious quote from Maximus Decimus Meridius, played by Russell Crowe. Who else? Gladiator. 2000 epic historical drama film directed by Ridley Scott and Roman general Maximus is betrayed when Commodus, I hope I'm pronouncing these right, the ambitious son of Emperor Marcellus Aurelius, murders his father and seizes the throne, reduced to slavery Maximus becomes a gladiator, why not, and rises through the ranks of the arena to avenge the murders of his family and his emperor. All kinds of wonderful people in the cast and here's the line Charlie has selected, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Isn't that beautiful? What a quote. Charlie, how'd you find this one? And what does it have to do with our topic? No, no, absolutely. And it kind of plays into a little bit of what, um, a little bit of, so I was in the Marine Corps as well. And I actually went out on the first phase of the uh, initial Afghanistan, um, when we went into Afghanistan back in 2001. Uh, when we got there, um, you know, I looked around and I said, the one thing that I hope we do is create something that we can live, you know, sort of a legacy so that, you know, we can come back one day and say, okay, this is what we left. And, you know, we came in looking this way, this is what we left, you know, with an infrastructure road, schools and so forth. So in the environment that we, you know, where we play in today in the Indo-Pacific, and again, kind of talking about the, the, um, the Pacific Islands, you know, I think we really have a great opportunity to do something really great. Uh, and to be able to connect the islands and the people, um, again, with with, a, with an infrastructure that would allow them to really have healthcare as the number one priority for them. So the more I go down to these islands and the more that I speak to the, to the people, um, the more that I fall in love with with, with their story, with, with everything that they have. So I, I truly feel that um, the time is now for us to do something great. Um, and we want to be able to use technology. And one of the things that I've said to a few people this week is actually that it, it actually, it's it's a double-edged sword because the environment today, uh, we don't have any legacy issues as far as uh, systems that we would have to tie in. There is no system. So we're going to leapfrog from into the current technology that we have. We can implement it. And AI is really going to be the driver for us to be able to really bring the home front more closer to to the to the folks that are living in these islands. So, I think it's a great thing, and that's that's sort of how the legacy is going to be. Uh, and at the time is now, echoing in eternity. That's beautiful. Quick question, quick answer, Charlie Hermosa. How did you name the company Bella Wings? Where'd that come from? So Bella Wings, uh, Bella is my, my daughter. 
Uh, so she's a, yeah, so Char she's, she's actually Charlie as well. So, but, so Bella, but Bella's her name and, and we were looking at it, you know, it was very fitting. Um, Lovely. Lovely. Yeah. Very nice. A nice tribute, getting the family in there. Sheena Banker, you've picked a line from I'll Be There For You, song by the American pop duo The Rembrandts, theme song from Friends. Ah, on NBC TV 1994 to 2004. Interesting backstory. The American rock band REM was originally asked to allow their song, Shiny Happy People, to be the theme for Friends, but they said no. So what happened? Uh, the song was written, I'll Be There For You, and Warner Brothers Records had to look around and say, well, who have we got on contract? And the Rembrandts were the only ones they had. So they went to the Rembrandts and they said, would you be willing to sing this song? And I think they turned it down too. Anyway, they eventually accepted and they expanded it and added some verses. And the extended version made the top 10 in Australia, New Zealand, Norway, Ireland, and the UK. It was the most successful single for five weeks in 1995 in Canada, on and on and on. So I won't go in the rest of it, but it's a really interesting backstory. Here's the line, the lines that Sheena has selected. I'll be there for you when the rain starts to pour. I'll be there for you like I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're there for me too. When I do this, this was the air quotes around the, the paragraphs. <laughs> the, 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 yes. Sheena, talk to us. What does this have to do with drones and AI? Charlie likes this one. Go ahead. Um, well, first I, I picked the quote because it's, it's very much me. Um, so first of all, I love the show Friends. Um, and it's very much who I am as a person. But when it relates to drones and AI, especially like it, it's AI is going to be there. Like it's just it's a part of our technology now. Um, and it is kind of kind of a fail safe. It's it's reliable. So it's, you know, you don't have to worry about it not showing up. You don't have to worry about it, you know, not being there. It's it's there now. It's there now. I think we all, uh, Friends became part of the, the fabric of our culture, didn't they? And all of the people on Friends, and look at some of them where some of the actors and actresses are still doing other other gigs. They have other reputations now in movies and, and TV shows. So it's been very interesting. The names pop up. We say, oh, I remember them from Friends. Thank you all for the quotes. I appreciate that. I'm sure that's nothing something nobody else has ever asked you to do, right? Pick a quote from a movie for a, a radio Definitely show, not. Charlie, Sheena, Bob. Well, <laughs> Ryan's done this with me many times. Always good. Ryan, I've put your, now we're going to do the predictions and I'm going to pick one prediction from each of you to start. And here's what's going to happen. I've just put prediction number one into Ryan in a private chat to Ryan. So I don't disturb anybody else. I'm going to read it just brief. And then I'm going to ask Ryan to unpack it like they say on the news. And Ryan's going to take two or three minutes and talk about it. If anybody, Charlie, Sheena, Bob, wants to make a comment, agree or disagree, either one is fine. You've got five fingers, I think, on each hand, and four of the fingers are nice fingers. Raise one of the polite fingers at me and just wiggle it, okay? I don't care which finger, just make sure it's a nice one. And I will see you when I will call on you. Keep your remarks to one or two minutes. While Ryan is unpacking and we're talking about it, I will pick a prediction from you, Bob, and I'll put it in a chat to you. Then I'll pick one from Charlie, then from Gina, and let's see how much time we have. So let's get started with the predictions round. Ryan, I've gone to number one. You say drones will become much more platform plays as companies look to build platform plays within the tech stack. Let's get into tech, shifting away from looking to provide the entire tech stack. You have to unravel this for me. Those tech stacks will be supported by an AI core. That's what we want to talk about. The prioritize each subsystem input and choreography way over my pay grade, dear. You've got to talk about this. Ryan, unpack, please. 
Sure. So a lot of the original companies and focusing specifically on the delivery side, um, they tried to do everything, right? And as Bob can tell you, right, UTM itself is a giant world of different layers of problems and integrations. And then you talk about the drones, the flight controllers, everything else, right? And so um, each one of these are, are very, very difficult problems to overcome. And uh, the companies that tried to do it all by themselves um, really struggled and are still struggling in a lot of cases. Uh, whereas the companies that kind of turned into more of the the platform play um, were, were the ones that are, are taking off, right? The ones that have been more successful recently. And that's really important. Um, you know, it's kind of the difference between uh, Apple and Android. Um, you know, do you have this closed network or, or do you have this open network? And the drone industry overwhelmingly is leaning towards a more open network um, where different technologies uh, plug and play and are interchangeable. Um, but when you look at the core of uh, how a drone flies, right? You have multiple different sensors, you know, gyroscopes, mm -hmm. GPS, altimeters, and, and LIDAR, and all these things that are giving different data to the drone. And not always uh, does everything sync up perfectly all the time, right? You know, your GPS might say you're two feet to the left, and your, your gyroscope may say you're slightly different, uh, um, than, than what your other sensors. And so you have AI working in the flight controllers already to prioritize that data and determine which ones are correct, right? And then uh, when you get to the subsystems, that's controlled by a whole separate AI in a lot of cases um, that's doing the, the conversation with our landing stations and with the customer's app and all of those pieces, right? Checking the UTM before the drone flies. Um, and so all of that, is a much higher reliability and success rate when you're doing it with AI. Um, I mean, we saw a huge jump in success when the drone market really shifted from manual flights, uh, you know, it was very heavy manual 2019, 2020 even, into now where almost everybody is flying entirely autonomous. Um, and it's it's just night and day difference in, in the safety and the, the reliability. So, um, yeah, I, I just think the, the industry is going to keep moving towards this open architecture uh, that a lot of companies are able to thrive in. Thank you. Anybody have any comments? Because I have a question. Bob, you go first, please. Bob Hammond. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and Ryan, you could have uh, taken some of those words right out of my mouth because you're, you're familiar with how we operate as well. It really does, you know, it takes an ecosystem or it takes a bunch of partners coming together to make this happen. Um, and and you know Ryan's observation in the beginning there were there were um, companies that had um, you know that had enough money they thought they could do it themselves and you know what that led to is them just running out of money before they solved all the problems and so by by working with companies that understand what they're really good at and kind of understand what their swim lanes are and then are open and that's that providing this open system this open open ecosystem enable the end-to-end -end mission to get done so and and I love the missions Charlie picked because like remote delivery and medical, those are, you know, those are, you know, drones for good stories, right? And you don't deliver the the value until you've accomplished that end-to-end -end mission. And it's an operator and it's infrastructure and air traffic management. And it's someone who actually places the order. And then there's the the customer that receives the, you know, that receives the, the value and a system orchestrating all that. And we have our piece in that. And there's people that bring in additional data that make us all enable us all to do that uh, better and safer and and uh, more efficiently and so it's all of that coming together and so that's 
That's the exciting part because uh, and I was at the, the same conference Ryan was at last uh, last week, and there's just a great um, you know, a great renewed energy because we're starting to solve these problems and we're starting to bring those uh, collaborative ecosystems together and doing this uh, cooperatively. So uh, I'm I'm uh, right there with you, Ryan. Thank you. I have a question for you, Ryan. I don't know if I've ever asked this in all the shows we've done together, Ryan Walsh. How long is operator training? What does it take to train somebody to operate a drone professionally, like in Charlie's world or Bob's world or your world, Ryan, and, and in the world of, of Sheena and Grant? Is it something that somebody learns in college? Do they do it at a, a special tech school? Is it a month? Is it a year? How long does it take to become a really savvy, safe drone operator? Just briefly, Ryan? It's a great question, and I think Charlie can actually speak a lot to this with a lot of the training in drone schools that he's been been setting up lately. Um, okay. But it, we have engineers that uh, they're very uh, proficient, and they're able to do some training and then go take the test. And uh, you know, from start to finish, they're, they're in and out in a couple weeks. Um, okay. Because we talk about air traffic controllers of traditional airlines burnout after years. I'm wondering if there's burnout drones. Just it's just there. It's it's it seems so immediate. Ryan and then Charlie. Ryan, comment. So we uh, when we train people on on Valkyrie systems, um, it takes about two weeks, and that covers everything from manufacturing, training, and operating uh, the system, uh, all the way to troubleshooting, maintenance, and repair. Um, so the actual operation of that is just a couple of days, about three days of it, um, because in reality, we while you need to be pilot certified by the FAA, and that's a requirement, you're not really piloting anything these days. Mm -hmm on our system you press a button and that drone goes about its mission you're watching you're you're supervising you're making sure that everything is done safely and securely and there's no uh issues um but at the end of the day you're not actually flying drones anymore interesting charlie you want to comment on that the training and where it's heading yeah no absolutely and you know you know bob talked a little bit about the uh, sort of the the ecosystem and one of the things that we're trying to create out here is actually sort of an internal ecosystem because unfortunately we have um, a lot of very smart people that are looking for opportunities so they go off island so one of the things that we're trying to do is trying to get them early at the state we've created we just started a program two weeks ago it's a junior drone program so it caters to seven to twelve year old uh, uh, kids and students and the the learning curve is a lot faster than some of the older uh, students. I mean, we've had students in high school, uh, and we also did a program with the NASA Space Grant as well for the college program. And we're, we're really starting to see the level of, of complexity as far as them being able to understand how to, ha how to handle the remote controls, how does the, how does the drone fly. And it's very interesting to see at, at what level they really start. So I, I think that um, we're starting to see that the younger generation has more uh, in-depth knowledge on the software development side. And, and what Ryan is true, getting to, you get a license, you, you take the exam, then you get a practical. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do is ensuring that you just don't go out. It's like getting a driver's license and not knowing how to drive a car. So we want to be able to, when we, you get the license, you also have the practical knowledge to be able to fly it. But in the world that we're living into, it's really everything's autonomous, right? So that's the level of complexity that we're going to move into. So we're going to get them to drive the car and understand how the, the flight, uh, the technical aspects of it. But eventually, it's really more software driven that's going to we're going to go into. 
Thank you. Thank you, Ryan, for answering and for bringing Charlie. And I love the way you're all referencing each other. That's a good, good collaboration, good futurism. Let's go to Bob. I've changed your prediction a couple of times here, but I think we're going to go with four because we kind of touched on the one I had originally picked. So your prediction number four is AI will augment and eventually replace traditional air traffic control, which I just mentioned, to ensure the safe operation of traditional and new air vehicles. Can you unpack that, Bob? There's a couple of phrases in there that each one is a prediction on its own. Can you take it through? Take us through it, please. Uh, I, I can sure try. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, we'll work at this. So um, you know, so so we all are are involved with the aviation system. We understand that it's it's it needs to be conservative based on the risks and the high level of safety that has delivered over the decades. Um, and I've spoken to the air traffic controllers who believe that AI and um, you know. Uh, other other methods will never be able to take the place of the human in the loop that we have in uh, manned aviation today. So um, so th so it's hard to imagine. Um, but the current system is still a stovepipe system. There's still a lot of analog systems in there. There's uh, voice communications on uh, channels that become overloaded. Um, just if you if you listen to the FAA and um, airline executives, you know. Today, they're already talking about air traffic control delays that are expected over this summer. And so, you know, you just can't keep throwing people at the problem and expecting different results. So we've all got to find ways to, to move on to that. And so, um, you know, what we're finding is that there are progressive air navigation service providers out there globally that are using AI to augment what these what these controllers are doing. So it's having that, that wingman, that intelligent agent uh, over their shoulder to uh, help them better handle those workloads. Um, and, you know, in the future, you can imagine that with these AI controllers, we're going to be able to enable a large number of both crewed and uncrewed vehicles to, to share that airspace. And so uh, we just don't see how, um, how the industry will grow and how the demands and, the, and just the societal benefits of what these technologies can provide, uh, how that is accomplished without that. Now, there's, there's some really uh, complex parts of air traffic management, and that's terminal operations, and that's emergency operations. And so, you know, you, you probably still have a human in the loop doing that for a long time, but let's take care of the stuff that, you know, the in route, the things that, that we can do now to, to get the load focused on where the biggest challenges are. Thank you. Very interesting. Any comments from anyone? Oh, Charlie, please. Yeah, just one quick question for, for Bob. I mean, do you see the... Um... You know, obviously, we can only move as fast as the FAA will allow this to move. Do you see that that integration, the understanding, um, getting the folks within the FAA more folks aligned with, you know, with what you're trying to do? Um, do you see that moving a little bit faster than than before? Uh, we actually uh, are seeing encouraging things from the FAA, and we're we're seeing um, encouraging ideas as far as using uh, traditional assets, but also using, you know new assets that are out there, new new um, resources, new surveillance techniques, new communication methods, even things like cellular and 5G to just further augment what they have in place today because uh, we just can't afford to continue to rely on on the traditional methods to to make these things happen, right? Um, and those all, you know, some of those are certified in aviation grade, which comes with it aviation price tags, but some of them aren't, but they certainly can be very appropriate for uh 
for uncrewed operations. So, and, 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 you know, we work globally. And so we, we do see other, other nations and a great example is Japan. Japan uh, didn't have enough delivery operators, delivery drivers to handle, uh, you know, city and urban delivery. And so based on that, they changed the rules and they're now allowing beyond line of sight operations. And that's what, that's what it comes down to. You know, when, when the pain becomes, you know, big enough, change, change occurs. There you go. Thank you very much. Um, good prediction there. Let me go to Charlie. You're next. And we're going to go into a completely different topic here, Charlie. Your prediction number two, the ability for drones to develop 3D scans using AI will move the metaverse well far forward into the virtual reality world. So we're talking VR now. Talk to me. What is this? Sounds interesting. Yeah, no, and that's uh, that's actually something that happened through... Um through the pandemic. So, you know, obviously with the restrictions of uh, people being able to fly in and out of the islands, uh, one of the things that was requested was there was still a lot of projects moving forward and uh, DOD has a lot of a lot of presence out here. So we started looking at ways to be able to support uh, some of the requests that they were having. And obviously uh, we weren't able to to really, there was a little bit more security issues, to, uh, you know, with, with the drones and, and getting in on base and so forth. So. But we've, we've, since then, we've definitely moved forward. But it, it's really taken drone technology uh, and AI software to be able to 3D scan uh, towers, uh, power towers, uh, electrical towers, cell towers, uh, you know, 2D scans as well. But being able to create the, uh, the virtual reality file so that, you know, uh, Bonnie, you and I say, hey, you want to come to Guam, let's, you know, let's teleport into Guam. And you know we 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 both jump into that world, and we can both walk uh, and inspect whatever we need to inspect um, as you were actually there. So you know that is going to continue to move forward. Uh, I think that with the uh, the ideas that we've presented uh, for some of the hard to reach areas, we can three D scan those things, and so you could be in Virginia, you can be in Hawaii, and anywhere on the world, and we can technically teleport into that world and we can inspect it together. So your engineers could be in Europe, your engineers could be anywhere in the world, um, as long as we're able to get the 3D scanning uh, converted into a virtual reality, I mean, a VR file. Um, and then, you know, the, IA, the AI software would sort of, um, the ones we're using right now, for example, for uh, the, uh, the, tel, the cell towers, they're able to identify without you even looking uh, the strength of the, the steel, uh, you know, the rust, uh, if there's any bolts missing already uh, within that, they kind of gravitate towards, towards there. And it, it's really, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it's actually mind-blowing to some of these engineers as far as, you know, some of the folks that have been doing this for many years. So sure. the, the metaverse is really big for us, I think, just because of the area that we play into again. And, and I do apologize for always sort of kind of using where, where we sit today as sort of the 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 driving force of what we do, but it's really why why we're developing all this out here because it's really a, a solution. Teleport me. I want to come to Guam. I don't fly much yes. anymore. I'm Bob is coming with me. Bob is Ryan. You want to join us? We'll have dinner with well, Charlie. Sheena, you coming? Sheena, can you? Oh yes. Get a babysitter. You're coming with us. We're we're all <laughs> going to teleport. I would love. I'll, I'll dress up. I'll just like this. I'll be all all fine. Thank you. Anybody have any comments on metaverse and 3D scans from Charlie? We good? Okay, Sheena, I put a prediction in. I like this one. You say AI in drones can be used in replacement for humans in dangerous situations, i.e. 
example, firefighting, building exploration, recovery missions. Let's get into this. We talked a little bit about medical deliveries with drones. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the danger. Sheena, what do you see? Um, so it kind of builds off what Charlie was just talking about as far as like building exploration, um, kind of taking some of those more dangerous jobs that um, you know, could cost somebody their life, um, you know, whether it's, you know, somebody, ex you know, going through like an active, you know, burning building or something, you know, you can send a drone in and it's a lot easier to replace a piece of software, um, piece of technology than it is a human life. Um, and so I'm hoping that we're going to be seeing a lot more use um, of AI and drones in those types of situations where we're using this technology to uh, protect the lives of humans um, because it's so much easier to replace a piece of technology than it is a human life. Absolutely. I'd love to get comments from the panel on the dangerous situations. What do you think? Ryan, any comments there? So I'm going to do a shameless plug of a project Sheena and I are working on Please. Uh, along with our partners at, at Titan Aviation and Promo Drone, um, the Constellation Alliance Group. And it's um, really about combining uh, Volatis's technology, Valkyries, Titans and, and Promo Drones to create um, opportunities for life-saving solutions, um, emergency care, first responder type uh, applications. Um, and so I completely agree with what Sheena's saying is there there's plenty of applications where you know you have uh you know people drowning it's unfortunate that that happened in uh Saipan right before Charlie and I had gone out there and if we could save you know lives from drowning or mm -hmm. um you mentioned burning buildings wildfire you know detecting those uh anomalies is very human time intensive people's eyes get tired attention spans it doesn't happen with AI. So if they're out there scanning a beach or, you know, a forest or whatever it may be, and they can actually trigger that response, it'll be faster, it'll be more efficient, it'll be quicker. Um, and so I, I completely back up what Sheena's saying on all of that. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Sheena, thank you for that. We have time briefly for just one more prediction. Bob, I'm going to prediction number two for you, because we need to talk about the future of the drone itself. You say AI will continuously monitor the performance of drones to assess system health, detect anomalies, recommend modification of operations and predict maintenance needs, the health of the drone itself. We need to talk about that. Bob, we just have about two minutes. It's yours, go ahead. Uh, yeah, sure sure thing. So if you take a look at the, um, the number of drones that are predicted to be out there and the, and the size of the fleets, you realize that, that there's just, um, a lot to be maintained safety-wise and vehicle health and the ability to continuously monitor that at a system and subsystem level will yield literally tons of data and no human can get through that data. So we've got to provide them AI-enabled tools to, to enable that to happen. And so they will ensure you know, the system uh, wor works reliably, they'll pr uh, predict the maintenance, they'll, they'll uh, prevent downtime, They'll reduce maintenance costs, they'll increase safety, uh, reduce insurance, so all sorts of benefits. And then, and then as we talked about, it takes a, you know, it takes a group, it's really, there's a systems of systems. So as we stretch that then to the infrastructure, then we have to think about all of the vertiports and the, the, the um, uh, assets that are involved in there and just predicting and using AI to maintain that and maintain the, the collaborative schedule across all of those as we start to do more and more complex and interdependent operation 
you have to have some agent there to help you. And AI's AI is going to be there to do it for us. Very interesting. Any comments, Brian? You're nodding. Anything you want to add? I completely agree with, with everything Bob just said. It's going to be critical. No human can get through that data. Okay. Charlie, anything? Charlie, I, I want you to comment on, on China's uh, prediction about in dangerous situations. What are you getting? You say some of the islands you're working with don't even have airports. They don't even have, what about safety? What about emergency work? Would drones help in that? Oh, well, I mean, 100%. And, and what Sheena said was actually pretty, pretty spot on, right? I think that one of the things that we're actually promoting is how do we use, you know, drones to promote the safety aspect. So one of the reasons why we did the, uh, the aero blasting was there's a huge insurance cost for uh, some of these uh, uh, hotel owners to be able to put that on because they, sometimes they have to, you know, put the scaffolding, man, you know, a Folks are, you know, hanging on the side of the buildings and that, you know, that's dangerous. You know, there's, there was an average number that we saw of, of folks going up in the cell towers and getting electrocuted. I mean, there's an actual average number that that's taken into account. And, you know, so, so these things are, 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 you know, technology and and drone and, and being able to use that type for, for giving some of these first responders an extra second, that one second actually could mean a you know a life that one one extra second so that's sort of the the so it's very aggressive approach we take but that one second could save a life and you know drones for us is is the uh, the next step thank you very much anybody have any follow up any will we got about 2 minutes until i have to close any uh, ryan one big prediction from you cost of drones professional drones the kind that you and everybody here are developing is it going to be something that will get more entrance into the industry as far as drone companies? Or is it going to be just, in other words, will the industry stay where it is today? Where will that industry be in the next five years? I think we're going to enter a huge consolidation uh, cycle. Uh, there's just going to be a lot of uh, systems that start coming together, a lot of um you know, the companies that just uh, didn't find that right product market fit are going to start falling off. We've seen a few waves of it in the drone industry. Um, but I think that we're going to start seeing more emergence of companies like Charlie's that are uh, integrating all of the systems together and, and mm-hmm. build meaningful solution for the customer. Um, you know, Valkyrie is a piece, One Sky is a piece, uh, Volatis's Vertiports are a piece, but um, it, it's really these companies that are taking all of these structures, putting them together um, and bringing them into the world for actual, uh, you know, benefits to different people. And so uh, I just, I think there's going to be a lot of consolidation. And I also think that the cost of everything in the drone industry is going to come down uh, pretty significantly. Um, Bob touched on it, but you do need aircraft grade. And I think if the quotes you brought up, Bonnie, these aren't toys. I mean, these, no. this is radiation, this is dangerous. And, you know, knock on wood, nobody's died uh, from a uh, drone flight uh, doing part 107 flights, but we need to keep it that way. And so we need to wrap. Thank you very much. Bob, I'll give you one sentence and then we got to close. Sure thing. When, when those costs come down, that means the use cases and the potential opportunities to use drones go up and we can't be good enough futurists to figure out what that's going to mean. There you go. Well, that means part two later in the year or next year. I want all of you to raise your hand and you're going to join me on the count of three and saying, no, no, no. Sheena, put your finger up. Come on. You probably do this to your kids all the time, Bob (laughs) and Ryan and Charlie. Okay. People say the future is already here. And we say on the count of three, no, no, no. One, two, three. No, 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 no. 
No, that's because that was yesterday's future. Today's future hasn't happened yet. Whoops, it just did when I said the word yet. That was already the future. It's gone already. We're all here, all of you in the drone industry, to try and make it a much better future. Bonnie D signing off. Thank you to Andrew, our engineer. Don't go away, guests. Wave goodbye to LinkedIn. Wave goodbye to Facebook. Wave goodbye. Thank you for joining us for Technology Revolution, the future of now. Mark your calendar to join host Bonnie D. Graham every Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel to hear how technology is impacting your future now. 